There is one problem with the Bearcats quarterback room. I'll explain what that is. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day on this Tuesday. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. There is a problem in the Bearcats quarterback room, and that is Ben Bryant might be the best quarterback in this room. Now, what do I mean by that? Ben Bryant has two years of experience, and Ben Bryant is a natural thrower. Remember last year, there were scouts who said that Ben Bryant hadn't, might have been scouts, either scouts or, um, other coaches. I think it was scouts, though. But Ben Bryant last year, for the first three and a half games of the, of the season, as I mentioned yesterday with Neil Meyer of the front office news, Ben Bryant, for the first three and a half games last year, was statistically as good of a quarterback in the American Athletic Conference and college football in general. He had a really good start to the season. Three, three. 100-yard passing games in the first four games of the season. And yes, he struggled after that. But the Bearcats don't win if it's not for Ben Bryant. And so I think about his natural abilities as a thrower. Yes, he was inconsistent. Yes, he was inaccurate at times. But when he was accurate and when he was a good quarterback, he was... Very effective. More effective than I thought he was going to be. I mean, there was a point in ha- at halftime of the Indiana game last year where I said to myself, I said to myself, this guy is, I mean, the, the Bearcats offense might be better this year than last year. That's how good the Bearcats offense was the first three and a half games of the season. And then from the second half of the Indiana game on, it was just a struggle. They never scored more than 31 points in the game, and that was the next game against Tulsa. Ben Bryant being the best quarterback in this room is a problem, though. I said a lot of great things about him just now, but Ben Bryant has two years of experience with the natural throwing abilities as an NFL arm, but he's coming off a broken foot. He's not a fit for Satterfield system. Earlier this offseason, I said it's a good thing that Ben Bryant is still here. Because of that experience, he knows the Bearcats program. He's played under multiple offensive coordinators and head coaches. He spent two years as a starter. He has value. However, what good is having him if he's, A, injured, coming off that injury, even though Satterfield said he has been able to do some things lately, heading into spring practice, which started yesterday. But how good? It, but what good is having him if, A, he's injured, and, B, he's not a fit for what Satterfield is trying to do? And the other thing is this. Emory Jones is the presumed starter. Is that really a good thing? He has had two solid seasons 
I say solid when you combine them both. He hasn't had two special seasons. Brandon Olson, who hosts Locked On Gators, I asked him one time about Emory Jones because he covered him when he was at Florida. And he said, you're going to be in for a miserable experience. And his season at Florida actually was really solid. He had one game, only one game with a completion percentage below 60. He had five games with a percentage above 65 and six games over 50 yards rushing. The problem is, and this is, I think, where you are going to have your issues with Emory Jones, he did not play well in big games. He struggled passing against Alabama. He was only 10 of 14 for 112 yards against Georgia. He threw three picks against Florida State at home, and he was just 14 of 36 passing in the Gators' bowl game that year against Central Florida. And then you look at what he did at Arizona State last year. Five of the eight games, he had negative rushing yards. This guy's supposed to come in here and be good at running the football. But how can you expect that when five of the eight games, he had negative rushing yards? He only had one game with two touchdown passes, and he only had three games with more than 25 pass attempts. I am fine with him being the presumptive starter because of what he did as a runner in the SEC, but I'm going to make this very clear. Emory Jones being the starter is only going to ensure this offense doesn't suck. Because if you don't have a mobile quarterback, and I I say that even with Ben Bryant being as good of a thrower as he is at times, the Bearcats offense has so many unknowns. At, at the skill positions and at the offensive line. Running back, I'm, I'm fine with. You've got some weapons there. But Emory Jones is essentially going to be a guy who is going to mask the offense's deficiencies, but he's not going to be someone who can elevate this offense. Based on what he did at Florida and Arizona State, I just don't see it. Last year he was injured, so that's a red flag. And I just really don't think the Bearcats' offense is going to be anything special with Emory Jones. And I say that even with an offensive-minded head coach in Scott Satterfield. And I say that even with what Satterfield's offenses did at Louisville in his four seasons there. I just don't see Emory Jones being a guy where the Bearcats need to score 35 points in the game. Bearcats to that mark. I just don't see it. Because of his struggles last year to run the football and because of his in- and because of passer. They're just not where they, where they need to be for me to really think that this is a, a transfer who's going to elevate this team. It's a transfer to fill a position of need and to ensure that the offense isn't completely in turmoil. Coming up, we'll look at Emory Jones' numbers compared to Malik Cunningham and what he put up in four years at Louisville and what they reveal to us. I'll explain all of that after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and calories? You got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know that my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise taste, man, I've got just a thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And now, you don't need to wait around and get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Well, guess what? Now, you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab that 13-bar box, our Hit Flavors Brownie Batter and Churro. You can thank me later. 
Thanks again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Big, big day of college hoops tonight. Several conference championship games, tickets being punched to the NCAA tournament and Power Five conferences get their tournaments underway today. Other conferences like the A-10 and Conference USA will get their tournaments underway today. So we'll talk about that, of course, at the end of the show. But back to Cincinnati and Emory Jones comparing him to Malik Cunningham because, as I said, the quarterback is going to be the epicenter of a Scott Satterfield offense. In Malik Cunningham's final season, 2022, never topped 243 yards passing the game. Then again, he was injured. He had three straight 100-yard rushing games in games two through four, then dipped to 62, 46, and then that gradually got lower, the rushing totals. He had three games with a 50% or lower completion percentage, three interceptions in the first three games, only two in the last seven games. So he did he did get better at decision-making, which is obviously very important. You go back to 2021, he had six games with 250-plus passing yards. That's really good. Three games over 100-plus rushing yards, including a 224-yard game, and half of his touchdown passes – Came in a two-game stretch late in the season. 2020, five games, 250 more passing yards. He had 197 and 133 rushing yards in two separate games. Three games with three or more touchdown passes, two game receptions. In 2019, same deal. Almost half of his 20 touchdown passes came in a two-game stretch late in the season. What does this tell us? I don't think, based on those numbers, Malik Cunningham's numbers are better than Emory Jones. Malik Cunningham obviously played longer than Emory Jones has played in his collegiate career. But I just don't think that Emory Jones can be the epicenter of his offense. I don't think he he is as talented as Malik Cunningham is. I don't think he has had the progression and the coaching that Cunningham had at Louisville under Scott Satterfield that Emory Jones has had. Emory Jones has not played enough. Unless he makes a gigantic leap this year, which he could, and I'm hopeful that he can, I just don't see him being able to truly elevate this offense. Like, do you see him? I mentioned last week or two weeks ago, Malik Cunningham was like two thirds of the, of the Louisville offensive total yards. Is Emory Jones going to be that for Cincinnati? I don't think so. Partially because Cincinnati, we don't know who the receivers are going to be. It is going to be a work in progress for this offense the entire season. It really is going to be that way. It's going to be at times painful to watch. The first big test will be, of course, the road game at Pitt on September 9th. Or, uh, yeah, September 9th. So there's a lot riding on the Bearcats' offense this season. The defense is going to be fine. But again, can can an Emory Jones-led offense be as good as Louisville's offense was under Malik Cunningham? And the answer to that is I don't think so right now. Ben Bryant certainly can't be the epicenter of this offense. Does Jones's two seasons wow you in any way? They were solid, as I mentioned. And as Neil mentioned yesterday, Neil Meyer of the front office news, there was a lot going on at Arizona State last year. So that's hard on a quarterback, especially one who transferred because things didn't work out in his first school, and now things aren't working out again in his second school. But Ben Bryant cannot be the epicenter of this offense. He lacks mobility, which helped mask the struggles Jones and Cunningham endured as a passer over their careers. 
But yet, Ben Bryant's the best thrower. And he will have to throw the ball in the Big 12. So, again, because Emory Jones is not Malik Cunningham, and he can't elevate this offense, it goes back to Ben Bryant. But the problem with Ben Bryant is he lacks one thing you need as a quarterback in this offense. That's mobility. And that's the reason why Scott Satter, and that's why I believe Emory Jones is the best receiver in this draft class. I do believe he is. Did I say best receiver in this draft class? Man, I'm off today. I do believe Emory Jones is the presumed starter because of his mobility for that reason. But I also think Ben Bryant's going to get a much better chance than any of us truly think. Because he's a good thrower. Because he has a lot of experience. Because he's been through change throughout his college career. And because at the end of the day, he is very familiar with the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. It'll be interesting to see how he had, I mean, you you say, well, he's got to adapt to new coaching staff. Well, so too does Emory Jones. So too does Evan Prater. I can't believe I'm actually kind of backing Ben Bryan here, but I just think the best quarterback in terms of throwing in this room, it's a problem, but it's also maybe a good thing if things shake out as I'm explaining them hypothetically. And I'll leave you with this question. If Brian harnesses that the first three and a half games from last year and can somehow add mobility, would you take that with the most experienced quarterback on the roster? It's hard to say no. Coming up, we're going to switch gears to the hardwood. I'm going to compare David DeJulius to a Cincinnati athlete who just announced his retirement. I'll explain who that athlete is after I tell you all how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here. Note FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes, drain plus. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance in a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown. That's FanDuel.com. Slash lockdown to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Obviously, David DeJulius' performance on Senior Day was magical. 30 points in his final home Bearcats game. Well, at least regular season. It's very interesting to see if they do get home court advantage in any of the first three rounds. But having watched David DeJulius over the last three years cover. There's one athlete, I'll get to that, and I'll say that here for a few seconds, but he's one of the most, DeJulius is one of the most distinctive Bearcats of all time. If you made a list of the top 25 Bearcats men's basketball players of all time, I think DeJulius would be on the list. Be hard, it'd be hard for me to name 25 p- players better than David DeJulius. And I say that even though he was only here for three years. But they were three years where this program was in a state of on the brink of turmoil, in turmoil, and rebuilding. And they still are rebuilding. I so wish he could have a sixth year of eligibility. He's not going to. But his legacy is incredibly powerful. And he reminds me a lot of A.J. Green. Why? Mo Egger talked about this when A.J. Green announced his retirement a few weeks ago. A.J. Green... was drafted fourth overall by the Bengals in 2011. And if you remember that time, 
And I remember it. Being a Bengals fan was not fun. The organization was at one of its lowest points in franchise history. The, the amount of season ticket holders who gave up their season tickets was a lot. Substantial. But what A.J. Green did, as Mo Egger says, was he turned the page from the chaos of Chad and Terrell Owens to this humble kid who was also a superstar player. And Andy Dalton helped the Bengals do that as well. Bengals surprisingly made the playoffs that year. They made the playoffs the next four years as well. And it was an era of Bengals football that featured a lot of good players. A lot of good people. Some better than others. And that's my thing about David DeJulius. He transferred to Cincinnati at a time where the world was in turmoil. Forget about the Bearcats men's basketball program, but the world was in turmoil. COVID and DeJulius comes in, second game of the season, Crosstown shootout. Plays his heart out, crying after the game. And I'm like, oh, come on, it's only your second game. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a guy I want on my team to be a true leader. And he was through a very difficult season for Cincinnati. Started three and seven, finished 10 and 11. Was it 10 and 11? Yeah, finished 10 and 11. No, that's not right. Now I'm 10 and 10. Yeah, they finished 10 and 10. Really weird season. Not a lot of fans could go to the games. People really didn't know who DeJulius was. But one thing that stood out to me was when the coach was when the mass exodus happened. Julius didn't leave. Julius was the one who said it was going to come to a head at some point. The Julius said the Julius stayed through the coaching change and embraced Wes Miller. And you as a fan fell in love with the guy. And he's become an active member in the community. That is a guy, as Neil talked about on Office News yesterday on this show. He's not only a great ambassador for the program right now, he's also an ambassador for the community. And it's it, 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 in a city like Cincinnati that has the Bengals, that has the Reds, that has now FC Cincinnati, for a, for a collegiate athlete to have an impact on a community like David DeJulius, it speaks a lot to who he is. And he helped the program stay afloat at a time when it could have very easily gone off the rails. You saw what LSU, what happened to LSU this year. I mean, they were terrible in the SEC. The Bearcats were never terrible. Yeah, they had a down year last year. But they were in the top four of conference player, top five, top half of the league for most of the year. They just lost their last five games. They had a really strong season this year. Do you realize that Cincinnati went 6-3 and three in the back half of conference play? Do you realize Cincinnati went or won three more games than they did last year? Do you realize or, or three more games in the regular season? 20 wins given all the struggles they've endured, is pretty dang remarkable. And by the way, they were 3-3, three and three. they were 6-4, and four. they were 5-4 and four in conference play, they won four more conference games this year than last year, and if they were in the Big 12, I'd say they might be a tournament team. 
Cincinnati has had an improved season, largely thanks to David DeJulius. He's not Jaron Cumberland, Sean Kilpatrick, um, Steve Logan, Kenya Martin, etc. But who he is is a player who, at a time when the program could have very easily gone six feet under, he kept it afloat. That is a strong testament. He helped turn the page from an ugly, turmoil, tumultuous two years to a two years that laid seeds that could prosper into something bigger, unfortunately, once David DeJulius leaves after this season. Maybe he has one more shining moment or two or three or however many left in him. We'll find out this week in the conference tournament. That's going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. Tomorrow, more on Bearcats football. Spring practice continues to unfold. Russ Heltman and I, we're still working on a time with our new schedules and our weekly live room. And then Friday, we will preview the Bearcats conference tournament game against Temple, 3 o'clock on, I believe, ESPNU. I might want to, I'll confirm that. Yeah, I think it's ESPNU. Cincinnati, I should know this, and Temple for the third time this season. The conference tournament, the Bearcats looking to for the likely play number one, Houston. Cincinnati and Temple is an ESPN 2 game, excuse me, 3 o'clock on ESPN 2 on Friday, of course, also live on 700 WLW. What do you have coming up tonight? As I should say, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, here from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We have got a very, very loaded slate tonight of college basketball championship games. To the NCAA tournament in conference tournament play. What do you have? And by the way, last night's action was remarkable as well. I recorded this episode before all the games concluded. But what do you have coming up tonight is a great slate of games. First off, you've got the first round of the A10 tournament starting today, first round of the ACC tournament starting today. You've got the first round of the WAC tournament, first round of the uh, MAAC championship, first uh, semifinals of the America East, semifinals of the Southland, final of the Northeast Conference, Fairleigh Dickinson against Merrimack, although Fairleigh Dickinson's already clinched it. The conferences at automatic qualifying bit because Merrimack's transitioning to Division One. You've got the Horizon League championship final tonight. You've got the CAA championship final tonight. The winner of Charleston and Towson from last night. I recorded this episode before that game happened. Faces UNC Wilmington, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, Horizon League on ESPN. Uh, Northeast on ESPN2. You've got the semifinals of the Big Sky. You've got the West Coast Conference Tournament Final tonight at 9 on ESPN. You've got the final of the Summit League on ESPN2. You've got the first round of the Big West semifinals of the Big Sky, as I already mentioned. Give me a loaded, loaded day. College basketball. I'm Alex Frank on Twitter, Frankie underscore 90 with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank 9 underscore an email. Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Alex Frank of Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day back tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats.